Bismillah ar-Rahman rahim The time of the afternoon on a Sunday. You join us on Medical Files. It is a Ramadan edition. And let us welcome you, the pious and sagacious listeners of Radio Marcus, Sahaba, the voice of the Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah, with a very popular brother of ours, Brother Yusuf Mali. With a, he's our herbalist with a hearty assalamu alaikum. Rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. How are you doing this fine, beautiful afternoon in Ramadan and the special edition? It's good to have you on your second time, uh, Brother Yusuf. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, bikulli hal. MashaAllah, it's such a beautiful time of the year and this is Ramadan and subhanAllah, it is so beautiful. May Allah guide and protect each and every one, inshaAllah. May each and every one enjoy this Ramadan like I'm enjoying it. SubhanAllah, the days is uh, uh, actually short. Even though it's long, it feels short and the night feels even more shorter. So may Allah uh, allow us to have enough uh, to finish and accomplish as much as we want to, inshallah. I mean, with the Qudrat of Allah, inshallah. I mean, but alhamdulillah, it is beautiful here in Cape Town. I hope you can say the same. How is it in Durban? And how is it with all the beautiful families and loved ones with it, that you have around you? How are you doing? Alhamdulillah, you know, Jazakallah uh, khaira for asking uh, the uh, ambiance, uh, the, uh, the spirit of Ramadan really resonating beautifully with us here. And, you know, as we meandering through and coming towards the end of our or the, you know, the tail end of Ramadan, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has already given us uh, uh, that, you know, spiritual boost. And, uh, you know, it's something that, uh, alhamdulillah, people of Durban have embraced, celebrated. And alhamdulillah, you know, uh, you, you, you raised a very valid point. You asked how the people of Durban are doing. I mean, we know we all are Muslims. But each, uh, you know, province, you go to Cape Town, there'll be a variation culturally, you know, amongst the people of Cape Town. I mean, of uh, Johannesburg and people of Durban and Cape Town too. You know, you have your own ambience, but the bottom line is the Quran bonds us all together because the same Quran you read. I mean, you go to China, you can't speak the language, but they will. The Chinese will still read the same Arabic Quran. This is the beauty of Islam. I mean, they in the Cape, uh, you are more, you know, uh, you you Africans and you you know you more of the uh, Malay origin. But you will have a cultural tinge to uh, Islam, but you'll have maybe Malay cuisine. Durban will have its uh, famous Halim, Johannesburg, to a little, a little, uh, no, maybe also. But uh, uh, I think, uh, you know, talking about the different uh, types of uh, flavors of Ramadan, but it has a strong theme. You're fasting purely for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Yusuf. Subhanallah, uncle, beautiful. When I, as you mentioning, uh, going region by region and looking in province, uh, from province, uh, to, to look at our individuality when we are really in unison, as you mentioned, it's a universal language of Arabic, a universal language of the Quran, not Arabic in the, in the language, but Arabic of the Quran. And subhanAllah, when you recite that Quran, immediately, um, it illuminates another person's, uh, day, uh, mind, uh, the way he is, uh, Especially when you recite it with qira' and and you mention and you say it with love, Subhanallah. You the, the next person listens to it and embraces it with love. So no matter where you come from, if it's going to be Joburg, Durban, uh, or Cape Town, Subhanallah, or the as you said Timbuktu or even uh, Bosnia or Palestine, Subhanallah. 
the minute uh, you you recite the Quran and you have a melodious way of saying it, Alhamdulillah, the person connects with you. And uh, that is part of qira'ah. And that is what also uh, uh, our, our beloved Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have also said, recite it with beauty and recite it with love so that you can, uh, th- that, um, uh, uh, how can I say, uh, that blessing that you share with others by reading it well. And Alhamdulillah, that is good because um, that is uh, what is recommended uh, even by the Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in so many hadith. Um, so therefore, uh, that we cannot take away from one another. But the way we look at individuality, saying, ah, ikasfani kap was doing alles in Afrikaans. Nia was doing alles in Afrikaans and Malayur and doing it in, we do it in English, subhanAllah, but most of most of the time we say it in Arabic, and which is muhabba. And when we have that muhabba and that love for one another, subhanAllah, that's why the traditions in Cape Town, uh, which are fading, it's not to say it's still there, uh, prominent as it used to be 10 years ago where the neighbors used to knock one on one another's door and say um, did you have something to eat yes uh, here's a plate of food bismillah um, uh, uh, that tradition uh, is not found in Joburg and Durban it's still in Cape Town alhamdulillah uh, that tradition of sharing your food your meal with uh, with your neighbor and not just one as many neighbors as you can so my children will be knocking on at least 10 20 doors for the for the evening and they enjoy it because they're going to see that neighbors and when it comes for eat you see those neighbors again and they say subhanallah shukr for all those for all those lovely meals here is something so they look forward to eat day when they're going to be rewarded in charity subhanallah so they do have an alternative motive but that love that that they're going to look for every year and they're going to look forward to it every year no matter even they're going to be married they're going to send their children and that is a beautiful tradition and alhamdulillah may Allah reward us uh, to and uh, let uh, bless us to have this for many, many thousands of years still to come. And may Johannesburg and Durban do it as well, inshallah. I mean, Uncle Shafat. You know, beautiful indeed. And I like, uh, I mean, I recall when I was growing up, and uh, this is what my uh, late mum inculcated. And, uh, you know, uh, all the neighbors, they should always talk about uh, the meals that she used to prepare and send. She'll send me with a tray, and, uh, you know, I'll go and give out. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, but there was also the supplication, Yusuf. The neighbors used to send us uh, their thing. And, you know, when you looked at the iftar table, it was abundance and there was an overflow of food. And, you know, you could share it with all and sundry. And those were ready. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad to hear that you keep that tradition alive in, in Cape Town and bless the people of Cape Town and the Muslims of Cape Town. And that's why the later Sheikh Didat Rahimullah loved you so much that, uh, you know, all his lectures before he went overseas, he had to pass it through the paper, people of the Cape, Yusuf. Subhanallah, Allahu Akbar. May Allah grant him Jannah and may, may Allah raise him to be of the marhum that is of the shuhada and salihin, inshallah. I mean, subhanallah, he was an inspirational role model and uh, he has conscientized the world of uh, Islam and the, the uniqueness of, uh, of Islam that there is no distortion in any way that people can get confused and say that we are fabrication. So, subhanallah, his work is beautiful, his work is awesome. May Allah reward him abundantly for the work that he has done and left behind his legacy and uh, subhanallah what a beautiful legacy to share with the world subhanallah
Well, uh, Yusuf, uh, when we shared your composite and, uh, you know, from our previous programs to always, uh, we get a lot of uh, uh, queries coming through. And uh, let me start off with the first one. It says, Assalamu alaikum, uh, Brother Shafat. I really enjoy medical files. It goes on to say, sounds have an impact on our mood. Can our guest elaborate on that? Uh, a good question there, sound. We're just talking about the basha, the Quran, reading the Quran, and, you know, how it puts you in a different mood. Your take on, uh, you know, what our uh, our listeners uh, queried uh, yourself subhanallah that's so true uh science has only now discovered the beauty of sound and how sound uh, changes a person's uh, emotion and uh, where it uh, creates an ambiance where a person feel at ease uh, tranquil at peace with one and uh, at peace with his environment and uh, usually that is sounds that uh, that was used in the east uh, many like the buddhists and various other things but then the Quran and then the uh, recitation of the Quran came around, which is some, not uh, like a sound. It's not like a dong or a gong noise or anything. No, it's the beauty of uh, the, the voice which Allah has blessed with that can uh, illuminate a person's mind and heart. That sound is unique. And they've even investigated that. And they've seen that there is certain pictures in the Adhan and certain pictures in the Qira'ah that um, uh, 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 it actually releases, uh, when a person hears it, it leaves, releases oxytocin and dopamine in the body, that feel-good drugs that we have inside our body, it releases, and we feel that, that goosebump moment, and when we feel that, wow, mashallah, that, that person recites so beautiful, subhanallah, I enjoy that, and that's the time you must make uh, dua for that person and make dua that Allah guide him and protect him, that he, that he can inspire many more. Because, subhanAllah, um, when you do that for the purpose of Allah and you do it for the purpose of uh, uh, creating unity and uh, spreading love, subhanAllah, that is a good uh, character and personality and a trait to have to share with the world. And when that qira, uh, um, that khufad, or that person who is doing the the Qari, uh, if uh, that person is doing it with that intention and he inspires people to be falling in love to recite that Quran and then uh, the non-Muslim to become Muslim uh, by listening to that beautiful sound and saying, subhanAllah, I was inspired. So sound has a beautiful, uh, sound is part of uh, of Islam, if you understand it in that way. The adhan, it's a sound. The qira, it's a sound. When you make salah and you're standing in front, that's a sound. Uh, when you're making dhikrullah, it's a sound. So sound is very uh, unique to Islam in that uh, uh, it is done uh, in a solemn way. It's not shouting on the top of your lungs and letting people think, okay, you're singing a song. No, it's letting a person connect to the words that you are, you are displaying. So therefore, when you're doing qira, you mustn't uh, uh, scream at the top of your lungs like you're singing a song. No, it's different. It's unique because you need to get that syllables right. You need to get that pitch right so that when you are saying that word, oh Allah, I ask you for forgiveness. Oh Allah, grant me forgiveness. Oh Allah, grant, I ask you for your mercy. When you're saying that and, you, and you're asking Allah, it, it actually tingles and it uh, rings in that person who's listening to it and person can feel it. That's why many times when you are looking on television and you're looking at the tarawih, especially in other countries and you see the hufad standing in front and he's crying and thinking, why is this guy crying? 
Well, because he found he has tingled, he he understood what he's saying. But those who are listening to him have also uh, been touched by that sound and by the saying and by the words that uh, that that is being mentioned. So, Subhanallah, that's unique, and may Allah guide each and every one to achieve that uh, uh, inner hearing and that uh, hearing that uh, illuminates our heart, mind, and soul. Inshallah, I mean, Uncle Shafan. Uh, beautiful indeed, uh, Yusuf. Uh, you remind me of uh, a Japanese scientist. You know, he took uh, water and, uh, you know, uh, uh, whispered or shouted some uh, vulgar words in it and he, uh, he looked at it again. Observation that the, that water turned out to be like tumultuous and like a, a, a storm in the sea. But when the words of the Quran were recited in that water, it has a very cool and calm and a very tranquil, uh, you know, effect. Your comments, Yusuf? Yes, subhanAllah. Um, uh, there is so many, uh, so many different experiments and uh, 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 scientific reports that's coming out of uh, how uh, how recitation has uh, is unique. Um, how uh, the mentioning of Allah's name is unique. Uh, how uh, you see uh, images of birds in prostration, uh, animals and ants in prostration. Uh, you see even as elephants in prostration. Um, uh, uh, um, just by either uh, doing in their own way uh, a dua, a supplication, uh, subhanallah, because it's Allah. And uh, you have certain times you listen when you have a, a radio or cassette playing or a CD playing or MP3 player playing, and then you uh, the qira'ah is playing. You fa- you see the the animals around you are more tranquil, are more peace, are peaceful. They're not uh, agitated and upset because you they're listening to the sound. No, they, their moods also change. So so subhanallah, um, uh, we go back to, uh, as we mentioned, experiments that were done. They did that on water and they saw that the crystallization of water um, is unique. Um, uh, uh, even when it comes to zamzam, it's unique. Um, when zamzam, uh, one drop of zamzam, if it's added to five liters of water, it makes that water also zamzam. And that's so, so, so unique about it. And they also seen that uh, the crystallization of water changes its its structure when it's listen, when the Quran is uh, recited when uh, uh, the adhan is heard it changes its structure and it becomes more potent more powerful so therefore whenever I tell people when you, you when you use my treatment I do recommend redoing your recitation because you want to invoke Allah's a, a, a blessing on using treatment to help you because it's not just about popping a pill and saying okay it's going to help me no that's 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 uh, the modern way Way of doing it, but the correct way of doing it is invoking Allah's uh, uh, love and Allah's pleasure and Allah's mercy. Oh Allah, I ask you, uh, please help me in my condition so that I can cleanse and clear myself from my uh, affliction so that I can be better to, uh, to, uh, today than what I was yesterday and maybe even better tomorrow than what I am today. So, those are du'as that a person make. And when you mention that and you say with it with a basmala, immediately that water, the crystallization in that water. Uh, awakens so what if you are using herbs if you're using food if you're using anything so all these things all have water that's the contents of all um organic life is water it's we organically based but with water as our base so the minute you mean you say the basmala that we change our internal and external what we are going to consume it changes 
by becoming more receptive to Allah's blessings and love so that we can uh, achieve that uh, uh, peace and tranquility of recovery, inshallah. I mean, so it's very important, uh, your mindset, like you're saying, when you say bad words and you're scolding and you're shouting, you're not going to get the same results as uh, when you're saying it uh, with beauty and saying it with love and saying it with patience and with perseverance of uh, of character. SubhanAllah, there's two difference. And SubhanAllah, may Allah guide us to achieve uh, um, ease and afia, inshallah. You know, Yusuf, you make a very valid point indeed, uh, shouting, screaming and uh, adding, uh, you know, negativity to the uh, surroundings of the home. And even, you know, it is a proven fact, a scientific fact that even those domestic pets that you have and, you know, that are there, when there is something negative and they hear the screaming and shouting, they actually run away from the home, Yusuf. No, so true, subhanAllah. Um, Uncle Shafat, uh, just this weekend I was watching a, a experiment where they used plants and they showed, um, they call this uh, the echo room. So they have a bowl, um, a deep bowl, a large deep bowl, and they put plants in it. And they have in the one corner where you swear at this plant, you scream at this plant, you shout at this plant, and you curse the plant as much as you can. And in the other corner, you have the plant where you actually um, uh, send love, uh, you compliment the plant, you give the plant uh, your blessings and your love. The big difference between the two was the one that was given compliments flourished so abundantly it went over the bowl. Whereas the other one that was got the same, it got the same water, it got the same uh, uh, ingredients and nourishment, all exactly the same. But the, the way you were in and influenced the plant with your um, uh, with your cursing and with your shouting, immediately that plant got st- uh, life got stunted. It it went down. It didn't come up because it didn't feel that love. It didn't feel that. So that's with a plant. Now, subhanAllah, that experiment was, for me, it was like, wow. So the experiment is to tell us, do uh, imagine you are being like this with your child. This is a plant that doesn't have emotion that uh, that can be expressed, does not have a feeling that you can that you can see, doesn't have uh, the temperament and love that you can literally touch and uh, uh, and feel with the emotion. Subhanallah, uh, your child will be similar if you give him love, if you share love, if you give him good, uh, uh, teach him a character that is noble and beautiful, he will flourish. But if you're going to curse, if you're going to be negative you're not going to see the same results. And subhanAllah, it's so true, Uncle Shafat. You know, it's also, uh, I don't know, the sixth or the seventh sense uh, in animals. uh, When a certain guest comes, especially, you know, cats, certain guests, you know, they will take to them, but they run away from other people, uh, Yusuf. uh, Should we read into this or we just ignore it? Uh, What's your thoughts? Subhanallah, Uncle Shafat. Um, well, um, uh, that's where we go to the veils. Uh, Subhanallah. Allah has put so many veils in front of us. Uh, people who have uh, sight, uh, good sight, they can see one another. Alhamdulillah, they're saying, uh, I, I know my dimension. I'm happy with my dimension. Then you have Allah ha- has the ability to grant other people by removing veils that they can see beyond. So they can see something that isn't there. Now, the cats are uh, cats and dogs are of that dimension where they can see things which 
isn't there. So they can recognize uh, uh, people of beauty, people of not, uh, uh, not uh, uh, having a good soul as a person having a bad soul. But subhanAllah, I'm not saying that the cat's running away from you, you have a bad soul. SubhanAllah, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that the cat can see something that is either that you've been afflicted with, that, um, that it's not happy. So it can be man-made affliction or it can be something that uh, is uh, inherited or organic um, uh, in its essence. So um, uh, animals have that sixth sense, uh, or should I say seventh sense, as you mentioned. Uh, that's why they can uh, pick up uh, uh, the scent um, thousands of miles away. They can, uh, they can see things uh, that, that uh, we feel that isn't there, but they, they're telling you, they're warning you. I'm telling you there's something there. Get away from there. It's not safe to go there. Uh, um, they, it's like they get an, a warning, a lamat, that this is not the right way to go. And so they will, they will step back and they'll say no. And he refuses to go because you don't see it. You can't see it, but he sees it. And that's not only with animal, uh, dogs, but that's with uh, cats as well. And there's with various other animals that uh, do show that trait. So subhanAllah, it is unique uh, to the animal kingdom. But Allah has also granted some that can, uh, who are born uh, with an ability to see things which isn't there. And may Allah make it easy for each and everyone, inshallah. I mean, Inshallah, I mean, and I'm going to share a story with you. My late friend, uh, Yusuf Variawa Allah Feliz Kabar with Noor. And whenever we used to walk uh, together, we had this habit of walking to the mosque to get together. And whenever there was a cat on the road, and he used to tell me, Chef, you had it. I said, why? Watch, he says. And that cat will follow me right into the mosque. And I mean, it happened on many occasions, different cats, uh, Yusuf. And I just said, you know, in humility, you know, I, I love my pets. But, and, and subsequently, I have found many cats that were knocked on the road and I have this habit of just going home, picking up a spade or a hoe, digging the hole and burying them and so forth. But uh, Allah, I, I, do, I do have two of my own, uh, whom I'm very fond of. One is uh, a Siamese uh, and she it's a female. Her name is uh, Silk. And I then have a tabby. He's a ginger tabby. His name is Leo. But both are absolutely adorable. And uh, Jazakallah khaira, Yusuf. For sharing that. Uh, by the way, do you have cats? Most definitely, I do have them. Yes, cats, uh, dogs, and roosters. Alhamdulillah. Each one, have, uh, each one have being unique in its own character and way. Subhanallah. Uh, and 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 uh, uh, what you have said uh, is was so noble and so beautiful. Mashallah, Shafat Huraira. Um, if you look, uh, listen to that. You Wait. are uh, Abu Huraira. <laughs> Oh, I tell you, you know, you're, you're making me laugh when you spoke about roosters. I've, I've actually, I've got roosters, I've got hens, uh, I have cats, I have a, big, a, a pond. We have these big two, pen, you know, pengascus. They're getting bigger and bigger. They were getting so big for the fish tank, so I had to put them in, outside in the pond. And uh, yeah, I just look at them, they, mashallah, are still flourishing. But I'm uh, talking about the rooster, and, I, you know, I remember reading a hadith uh, about a white rooster. That Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said something about white roosters. So I generally had uh, the different colored speckled roosters, this rooster. And now, you won't believe it, uh, Yusuf, uh, my wife had slotted quite a few other roosters, but I told her, don't touch that white one. That is my pet. And he's really is my pet. And that white rooster gets me up for the hajjud, and he gives me the different uh, uh, the clothes for the Zohar Azan. And he knows what's going on. And, you know, uh, the Fajr, he doesn't stop. He keeps the whole neighborhood going. And uh, that white rooster, perhaps a comment for you, uh, from you? 
Subhanallah. Well, we go to the hadiths, as you're just saying there. If you listen to some of the hadith, I will just, I will do it verbatim. I'm not good, I, will, I won't be able to give you exactly the complete dalil. But if you look at uh, the rooster, it's been said that uh, keep a white rooster in your home, as neither uh, the shaitan or magician would come near your home. And near uh, its surrounding ones where there is a white rooster. Subhanallah. Then another one, another narration I also heard was do not speak ill of a white rooster as it is friend, uh, uh, as it's mine. Uh, its enemy is also my enemy. Those are the things that, uh, two hadith that, it comes to mind that we talk about the white rooster. So subhanAllah, you have a, a real, a, a sentinel, a God, better do, God dog than anything else. Because we, uh, it's also being said that when you have um, a pet in your home, like cats, uh, 70,000 angels come and visit your home every day. Um, there's, there's various hadith to mention how much love you must have for an animal and uh, what love you must show towards an animal. But literally today you see on Facebook, and various social media, how ill they treat the cats, how they use the, the cats as targets. And even uh, like in archery, when I'm teaching archery and I tell them there's a hadith and Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, uh, enjoy archery, shoot well and try and shoot as uh, uh, um, your target with excellence, but do not shoot an animal. Do not shoot an animal and use an animal as a target. You can shoot an animal once to kill, and alhamdulillah, you, uh, uh, it's your food to eat. But if you're going to use an animal to sh see how good you can shoot by shooting uh, 10, 20, or 30 times, subhanAllah, that is not allowed in Islam. That is uh, the, That also came to mind. So even uh, so, it just shows you how much love the Nabi Wasallam had for all animals, not only a cat. As we, uh, There's so many hadith of... Uh, the Nabi Sallallahu with a cat and uh, the that with his uh, uh, Qaswa, his famous uh, um uh, um, camel, uh, let alone his horse, and uh, all the animals that love the Rasulullah So Subhanallah. So if we want, as a Muslim, want to say that I'm a Muslim, I want to keep to Sunnah, then part of the Sunnah is how you are with animals. Subhanallah, Uncle Shafat. Ah, brilliant indeed, and how the uh, uh, camel complained to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And also, uh, by the way, Yusuf, I mean, that's a brilliant topic, and I'm sure our listeners are, are enjoying this. Uh, you know, I also, and Mufti A.K. Hussein, uh, you know, our um, our resident Mufti and our captain, he also has this habit of feeding, you know, wild birds. He buys the seeds and he puts it for them. And, uh, you know, I've also done that. When I buy my chicken feed, I also make sure that I buy a few uh, 10 kgs of uh, what do you call this uh, bird seeds and I put it in the garden and what a joy to see a different species of birds coming through. Uh, I, uh, you know, I have uh, water troughs uh, kept about five or six different uh, venues in the yard so that uh, they can drink their water. But you know, you get so much of joy watching the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala coming and enjoying a part of your, uh, you know, estate that you got as an amana, Yusuf. Yes, subhanAllah, uh, just talking about this, a person thinks that, okay, um, I didn't have an idea that today I'm going to feed any animals, but I just decided today to take some uh, seeds and I'm making yet I'm going to feed. SubhanAllah, just remember that each animal, when they leave the house, they do not know where their rizik is going to come from. 
when they leave the house, they when they fly out and they're going to bring home to the to the loved ones and the uh, and the offspring they're going to bring food. They didn't know where they're going to get the food from. And Subhanallah, Allah answered their prayers when they left and they made dua that Oh Allah, guide me, protect me, show me the path that's going to uh, bring sustenance to my family. Allah gave you hidayah at that moment in time to buy uh, seeds and uh, to throw seeds and give seeds. Alillahi. So subhanallah, if you understand Allah's plans is so unique, Allah's plans is so beautiful, that uh, uh, everything that we do is part of Allah's plan, greater plan. And so when we are feeding animals and we are looking after them, we are we are accepting an amana that we have, that we are as vicegerents and viceroys to look after the animals look after this planet. So, therefore, when we come, to, uh, when we uh, when we talk about climate change and we're talking about the effects the climate is having on the planet and what is doing to our wildlife, what it's doing to the ocean, what is doing to the marine life, what is doing to plantation, what is we as Muslims should be on the first on the bandwagon to say no against uh, to anybody that's uh, causing climate change, that is instigating climate change, because you are inevitably going to damage the creation of Allah. So we must be the first green uh, uh, greenhouse um, uh, fighters that will say no to the greenhouse effect, no to the uh, high carbon content in this planet, because it affects the every animal and every uh, every species and creation of Allah. So we are only looking at the birds, but we might look at the bigger picture. We as Muslims must stand up for the rights of animals. We must stand right up for the right of this planet, the health of this planet, because we must leave the planet better than what we received it. And that's part of our amana as viceroys and vicegerents. We must look after, we must harvest and we must uh, toil on this planet and grant uh, that that our children will harvest a better planet than when, than when we have. So subhanAllah, Uncle Shafar, uh, we, we look at the, uh, the issue of just throwing a little bit of seeds and feeding the animals, but what can we do more? That is a way we as Muslims, we need to tie ourselves to, uh, um, an, uh, to an idea, to an, a vision that will change the world for a better. And we make dua, inshallah, that we have those kind of individuals that will be the, uh, the conveyance and be part of uh, the, uh, the initiative that can bring change and good change for our, for our planet and for the world and for our animals and for the creation of Allah, inshallah, Brilliant indeed, uh, Yusuf. I, I think you and I can go on <laughs> chatting about animals uh, for the next uh, five hours if we could. Uh, but I'm looking at some of the questions that are, that are coming through. Uh, Abu Ba says, Assalamu alaikum. Why is there so much of a tug of war between alternative medicine and mainstream medicine? Families are having quarrels over this. I think I, I can quietly or I can uh, vociferously agree with. Uh, our brother there, your thoughts on Yusuf? Well, subhanAllah, Uncle Shafat, uh, we, we go back in history. We look at today, first we look at today and say there's a big uh, shift between um, alternative, history, uh, alternative medicine 
and allopathic medicine. Allopathic medicine is medicine that has been investigated, has peer reviewed, that has been uh, gone through various tests and uh, to say, okay, this is safe. But what is allopathic medicine? Allopathic medicine is the study and the understanding of poison, of how to use poison effectively and uh, so that you, we can achieve the right result by, uh, by the immune system's reaction. So if you give too much of this poison, you will die. If you just give enough, which is just sufficient in certain types of milligrams and certain amount, then it will influence our immune system to react so that our body will then will fight to actually look after itself and you'll get better. Now, that's a different understanding to uh, alternative medicine. And we look at alternative medicine, which is uh, from herbal medicine to homeopathic to natural path medicine. Uh, we're talking about uh, thousands of years old. We're talking about allopathic medicine, 100 say to 150 years old, maximum 200 years old. So why is um, uh, allopathic medicine on mainstream? Because uh, as I said, it is peer review. They have uh, done more extensive research and uh, um, funding for that than in uh, um, uh, herbal medicine or botanical medicine. Uh, you see, botanical medicine is literally anybody can say, I'm doing that because uh, when I go to the kitchen, I've added some of my kalunji seed, I added some uh, pomegranate, I add uh, some uh, uh, ginger and some uh, apple cider vinegar, and I made my own uh, co concoction and it's working and I feel good. My blood pressure is normal. Um, I'm actually good for Ramadan, alhamdulillah. Now, you, when you, you can't say the same for the pill because if you're going to pop too many pills, you actually be landing up in hospital instead of saying, okay, I'm feeling better. So that's a big difference between the two. And this was a war that happened over 100 years old when the Rockefellers decided to make uh, allopathic medicine uh, the mainstream medicine to get rid uh, and get away from alternative medicine because previously you had um, uh, practitioners were both uh, under understanding of alternative and allopathic, but they wanted to be unique and saying, no, you cannot do both. You can only do mine. If you're doing mine, then I'll give you a license and you have a license now to ascribe and to, uh, to recommend uh, um, uh, the type of uh, drugs and the type of medication that I have and which I've worked on in my laboratory and I've done. So that is pharmaceutical. So pharmaceutical allopathic medicine is unique. Compare that to uh, to um, alternative, which is herbal medicine, botanical medicine, which is Allah's pharmacy. Big difference between the two. Uncle Shifa? Yeah, uh, Yusuf, uh, well said there. It's a big difference. Uh, natural is natural because the cure is there. I mean, uh, look at the power of the Noble Quran. I mean, you can read Surah Fatiha as a form of a Shifa. I mean, it's a key to the Quran and various other ayats of the Noble Quran, which can actually heal the body and, you know, mind over matter. And even uh, different cells uh, react differently with the tilawah of the Noble Quran. And, uh, you know, Hakims uh, will look into the Quran and the uh, Sunnah of Nabi Muhammad Sallallahu to give you yes. that, uh, that type of medicine. And, you know, as you started off so beautifully and so eloquently, you said the Bismillah or the Basmallah is so important that in whatever you do, it is blessed and divine decree takes uh, control of uh, whatever you need to do. So the important thing is in the house of Islam, you know, we have the power, but the only thing we must know how to connect and uh, the yakin or, you know, the faith should be so implicit that you have so much of faith in it 
that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will definitely help you out. Uh, moving on uh, to this question, and uh, Sister Rukeya says, uh, uh, Jazakallah khaira for our powerful uh, program. Uh, Brother Yusuf Mali is also a pleasure to listen to. Yeah, Yusuf, you've got a lot of uh, people. Uh, they really appreciate you. It says, mm-hmm. I love keeping pets, especially cats, but I develop wheezing when they come close. Any herbal cure, Yusuf? Subhanallah, when you have an allergic reaction to an animal, uh, unfortunately, um, uh, you can use catnip. There's, there's various types of herbs that you can use, it's, but it's similar to that of a smoker. Um, you can use a whole lot of uh, condiments and patches and solutions, but when you are close to the animal, unfortunately, you will have that reaction because um, it is uh, what happens in our paranasal cavity when uh, those um, uh, hair follicles and the fur of the cat actually uh, it enters your, uh, um, uh, how can I say, your paranasal cavity and it gets stuck there and you, it starts having a reaction. So uh, uh, no herb. No medication is going to help. What your only only solution is to keep them uh, a bit. Uh, how can I say? Have uh, scheduled times to be with them, but not all the time. And make sure that uh, you clean the area of your house well. Make sure that uh, you pick up all the the fur, the uh, uh, and the um, the scent. Uh, remove that uh, because the those are all things that will antagonize uh, your uh, uh, your system, and you will get sick again. So there is herbs, but uh, it doesn't work as well as. Uh, uh, creating a plan and uh, a method of how to be with them. Uh, just to have them running willy-nilly um, will be uh, causing so uh, issues. So if you're saying, look here, the, the, this is their environment, they enjoy it, which is two or three rooms. The, uh, my room is where I can say there is no cat here. Um, this is a cat-free area. Um, you have certain people that have um, uh, severe sinus uh, problems um, uh, when it comes to cats. Uh, therefore, you would have uh, the, the, that allergic reaction. They can smell a cat. They can uh, feel the cat uh, uh, in the prisons. Uh, so they would have going to a, uh, um, a shock uh, or hysteria. Uh, I've experienced quite a few times because, as I said, we, I have cats. And um, when uh, patients came to go and consult with me, um, the, the patient went on hysterical because she heard the cat is in the area. And um, uh, so you have that kind of scenario. So unfortunately, that you build up over time because you your body adapts and then starts reacting negatively towards your environment and that is uh, especially if you have uh, too much around the cat is too much around you so i do recommend having uh, providing the times to be with them and uh, then you can still love them and still be with them as much as you want to but you need to schedule your times around them that's my best advice on Shafat. Yeah, but it's amazing, you know, people have a phobia on cats and maybe, you know, vice versa too. But uh, moving on, uh, Yusuf, uh, Asif says, uh, uh, it is said that the body can heal itself. So why do we treat? Uh, It's a good question there, Yusuf. Well, subhanAllah, uncle, yes, it is. But the thing is, we must also understand is we are what we eat. Um, if we eat wrong, if we eat junk food, we can't say can't say we're having a healthy life. Uh, we eat a healthy lifestyle. Uh, well, you're eating yourself full, but you're eating yourself with dirty foods, and uh, that's going to cause confusion in your body. 
and that's going to cause a dysfunction and that dysfunction becomes a disorder that disorder becomes a disease and that disease becomes your affliction that you're going to die from so uh, inevitably you are what you eat so if you are eating right and you're doing right then subhanallah uh, your body heals itself but if you're eating wrong if you are eating too many kusistas uh, too many uh, samosas too many bajias if you're having too much uh, uh, pies and samosas subhanallah you're going to have side effects and those side effects is high cholesterol high cholesterol is going to cause you going to cause greater problems heart attack stroke all those things so uh, it's you are what you eat so if you eat healthy definitely alhamdulillah you, you will get better but if you're eating wrong then you need help may allah guide us inshallah yeah, inshallah, Yusuf uh, Ismail says, Assalamu alaikum, uh, Brother Shafaat. Great chat with uh, Brother Yusuf Mali. He is, uh, mashallah, well known uh, in our part of the world, too. Yeah, absolutely. Ismail says, uh, Can camphor be taken orally, Yusuf? Yes, you can take camphor or orally. You can use it as a, you can breathe. Okay, there's different methods in different ways of using camphor. You can use camphor, you put it in water, you take a teaspoon of camphor, uh, um, but you need to take a, like a teaspoon um, in a full glass. You need to take it orally. You can use it as um, uh, in your nebulizer. You can use it in a um, humidifier. You can uh, uh, you can use it in variety of different ways. And there's also different uh, benefits for for camphor. Um, if you look at camphor. Yeah, the, in itself, um, it helps with uh, from um, uh, blocked nose. Um, uh, it looks uh, at uh, also at the various different. Uh, uh, how can I say, side effects that you might have also with camphor, but we look at the, the benefits. It's, uh, it's like an antibacterial, it's an antifungal, it's an anti-inflammatory properties, and this can be used to treat uh, from our skin to internally as well. So you can use it for a spirit to, to breathe, uh, but I would recommend highly the, um, to use it in your nebulizer, in your humidifier, to breathe with it, it because it gets rid of a, a lot of um, respiratory um uh, side effects or respiratory diseases and it also helps with pain if you use it in a humidifier and a nebulizer so that is also taking it but you are using it as inhalation so you are using it orally but uh, more as inhalation than uh, um, uh, drinking it with uh, with a glass but yes you can also put it on a glass and you will also find a relief of pain but then i would recommend using it uh, a little bit of camphor a little bit of castor oil a um, little bit of uh, olive oil uh, so it will be a uh, half a teaspoon half a teaspoon a teaspoon of um, camphor mix that well uh, in a glass of water drink it warm it will help with pain especially with arthritis osteoarthritis and uh, but not uh, severe pain but mild pain uh, it does help a lot uncle Shafan. Yeah, Jazakallah for that, uh, Yusuf. Uh, uh, this uh, message from uh, Nadim. He says, uh, "Is there any truth in the old adage, an apple a day will keep the doctor away?" Uh, Yusuf. Well, yes, the apple, uh, the apple has a lot of benefit. Alhamdulillah. Yes, it does help. Um, it has a unique, um, uh, how can I say, um, ingredients, chemical ingredients that actually stimulate um, from heart health. Uh, to eyesight, to brain. So um, it is unique. Uh, but alhamdulillah, that, that's why Allah granted us, um, uh, how can I say, a forest 
a, a meadow of uh, uh, fruits and vegetables that we can try from. Uh, and literally, um, many of them are similar, but unique. They might have quercetin in the uh, in the ingredients, like in the onion. In uh, the um, uh, you find it also in the the spinach. You also find it inside the um, uh, the the bitter gourd. You and in the okra, you find it. You find it in there. And but it's unique how it blesses you. With. Uh, you find it in oils also. So uh, you get that same chemical, but how you derive it, uh, you get a unique benefit. So it benefits your system in a different way than having it or, uh, in its raw form when it's like, for example, when you're having it in the onion. But we're talking about apple. So apple, yes, apple is unique. It is, uh, it's so beautiful. It have it every day. Uh, even if you have it like in the ABC juice, which is your apple, beetroot and carrot, have that every morning. It stimulates the, the kidneys, the heart health, extremely good for the bloodstream. ABC, very good. So having a, not just an apple, but mixing it with like a smoothie or a fruit shake, wow, awesome. Do that, especially in the morning in the month of Ramadan. You will feel great throughout the day, inshallah. Uncle Shafat? Uh, beautiful indeed, uh, Yusuf. Uh, beautiful answers coming through, or must I say, magnificent. Apakala says... Uh, Yusuf Mali, during a few of his shows, spoke about saffron for the eyes. I want to know, what is the herbal cure for cataracts? Uh, Yusuf? Well, subhanAllah, um, when we look at uh, uh, what I've done was something unique with my saffron. You see, um, I recommend saffron uh, highly to help with blood flow to the eyes and blood flow to the brain. That uh, it, in itself, it's unique character. But um, uh, what I have done was make a herbal condiment with using over 30 different herbs with saffron. And the result is it doesn't only improve uh, uh, um, eyesight, uh, especially with inflammation in the eyes. If you're suffering from UV, uh, uveitis or um, uh, eye inflammation, um, but it also helps with uh, vasculitis, that's uh, inflammation in the bloodstream. Um, same, it helps with, uh, 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 with, uh, with the full body. Now, I've even recommended a lot of my clients who are suffering with cataracts to use from the water. Use a drop and add that drop of saffron herbal water, which is with uh, over 30 herbs in, to help and with the cataract. And alhamdulillah, uh, I have seen uh, quite a few that came back to me and said, subhanAllah, Yusuf, it like disappeared. And uh, I said, well, the Qudrat of Allah, because if you understand, it's like calluses. Uh, cataract is like a calluses over your eyes. So it, it's like a, um, uh, a covering that uh, don't allow you to see the complete picture. So in order to get rid of it, you need to soften it. You need to get rid of the inflammation around it. And that's what the water does. It, uh, uh, the moisture cools the eye, the, mo the water um, uh, um, uh, moistens the eye to the point where it makes the cataract uh, dissolve in your eye. And that's over a period of weeks. And alhamdulillah, I tell uh, uh, clients what they need to do is take it, uh, um, use a syringe and use a, a three drops. Uh, first, lift up your eyelid, put the, uh, you must first lay on the bed. And as you're laying down, you then uh, lift up your uh, eyelid and you put three drops under the eye and close it with a tea bag, a rooibos uh, tea bag. That's what I would recommend. And then you put the eye patch on and sleep with it and do that every night. 
And alhamdulillah, after two weeks, they came back to me and said, Yusuf, I can with the Qudrat of Allah. So, um, but you have certain cases where the cataract is very stubborn and unfortunately uh, 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 nothing could be done. Even uh, they have seen improvement, but uh, literally they had to still go for the operation. Uh, so it is more for those who are still developing uh, severe cataract. Um, then this worked very well. Um, I had uh, uh, one or two that came back to me and said uh, they didn't see the, uh, the effect after, uh, after the two weeks. Uh, so it all depends on uh, the, how advanced your condition is. So if it's uh, something that is still uh, relatively new to it, uh, before you waited now for, ten, for five or ten years, now you want to do operation, uh, then it's difficult. So if it's sick and it's calcified and, uh, and there's nothing you can do, unfortunately, there's uh, literally only an operation would help there. Uncle Shafat. Ah, beautiful indeed. Uh, Walid says, Assalamu alaikum. I have been having a quarter cup of vinegar after my iftar meals. Feels great. No reflux or burping problems. But my wife says uh, it will thin my blood. Please advise, Yusuf. Well, subhanAllah, uh, apple cider vinegar is extremely good, especially for, for fasting and after fasting um, it, with apple cider vinegar, but not normal vinegar. So um, uh, apple cider vinegar, yes, I would recommend recommend that anytime uh, for after, uh, what's the name, uh, 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 for iftar, uh, because uh, literally after the meal, you want to feel good, you want to feel better, you want to feel nice, and that is what it does for you. And uh, it has a lot of, a lot of, um, uh, um, uh, how can I say, uh, benefits from improving your breath. Um, it helps with um, uh, uh, blood flow to the brain. It does help with uh, thinning of the blood. Um, over a period of time, uh, then I would recommend you not to be using your blood thinners. Um, and don't use, uh, I would recommend three drops of apple cider vinegar in the water. Now, a lot of people are making a mistake and thinking they must take a quarter cup per, per night. No, that's wrong. That, that will actually damage your kidneys. Um, uh, so, or should I say your liver? You, know, you can have uh, uh, hepatotoxicity and hepatitis from drinking too much apple cider vinegar. So the, the, I would recommend only three drops in a glass of water and drinking that at night. Then, then it's fine. But if you are drinking a quarter cup of pure apple cider vinegar as is every night, it's not going to be good for you. It's not healthy. Uncle Shafa? Yes, sir, Yusuf, you're really firing on all cylinders uh, this afternoon. And uh, look at this question from Ahmed. Ahmed says, Assalamu alaikum, uh, Brother Yusuf uh, Mali, I love chickens, uh, but I'm uh, told that uh, I must also, I can also buy grain fed chicken. Is that true? Grain fed chicken are uh, good also. Yusuf? Uncle Shafat, uh, we mustn't be bamboozled and misled with all these uh, funny names that they give the, the chicken. You must understand uh, the chicken industry, um, there is different methods, right? There's 22 methods, actually. One is house. Uh, housing the, the chicken uh, that's either in a pen, um, so that you call that the house uh, chicken, and then the other one is a free-range chicken, which is only on the outside. Now, um, you have certain individuals that will say that uh, this uh, um, uh, this chicken have uh, was out uh, hit, uh, a free-range, but literally it's a house chicken that they let out for a couple of hours, but they come back in again. 
So it is still a house chicken, but it's uh, it's classified as free range because it had a few hours where it was on the outside. So it had um, a stimulation, uh, sun, it had uh, an interaction with plants and various other um, outside external uh, environmental ingredients, whereas a house chicken will be in a climate controlled area. Um, that is has its uh, water and it has an area for it to just walk around and be free with one another, um, but it's still housed. Now, that's a pen chicken. Now, uh, uh, when they say free uh, grain chicken, that means they have given it a little bit of grain. Uh, it doesn't mean, uh, because you must also understand a free range chicken will also have um, uh, be contaminated either with antibiotics and various different kind of treatments in order to keep it healthy. So, um, uh, even though it's free range, it's outside, uh, it, it also have contamination. So, uh, today, uh, there is a lot of confusion and misleading in the industry with the chickens. And uh, they found this out in the US, they found it out in, yeah, in South Africa, in various other countries, and we're getting our chickens from a lot of the frozen chicken uh, and dead chicken, we're getting it from, uh, from the US in South Africa. So, we must be very careful what you're eating and how we're eating. So, uh, looking at the, the, the chicken, uh, there's a lot of, um, as I said, misleading labels that uh, uh, that can influence us. So, well, what is best if you are growing your own chicken? Alhamdulillah, I know Uncle Shafar is doing it, so that's free-range chicken. But if you're saying that the chicken, uh, um, what's the name, uh, is free-range and it's in a house and it's in a pen uh, and still calling it free-range, well, that's not. That's not free range. That's dubious. So, therefore, people need to be careful because you have those uh, chicken that's labeled as free range, but they're only out in the sun for at least three, two to three hours, and they're back in the pen again. So, they're still regarded as pen chickens. Uncle Shafat? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the chicken uh, that uh, we have uh, or I have here is uh, no injections, nothing, everything pure. And they even run around, they go into the bushes and to the jungles and they find the worms and I'll see them maybe getting a gecko and <laughs> having a meal with it or the changing the butterfly and so forth. It's, it's really fun sometimes to watch them, what they do. One will grab it and the rest will all chase after that one. Hey, let me have a share of that. So, Alhamdulillah, the fun goes on. Uh, question from uh, Marcy in Musgrave. She says, uh, my grandchildren are constantly on the phone. When I scold them, uh, put the phone away, they tell me schoolwork. How is this uh, technology changing our children? Uh, Marcy was a probing question, uh, Yusuf. Yes, Uncle Shafa, I see we're running away from herbal uh, questions. We're running out to technology, subhanAllah. But that is also influences. And you look at the influence, the negative influence of technology. Yes, it's true. It is actually corrupting our children's minds. Uh, there's an experiment done um, in uh, various countries. Like, for example, there's one uh, that was done in India. Uh, there's a place in India where they actually have a curfew. Uh, the whole village that uh, at 8 o'clock, um, no one is allowed to use any uh, technological device from TV to uh, to a cell phone. So for that hour and a half, uh, they even have a police, um, a technology police that walks around from house to house to make sure that everybody is uh, conforming to that uh, law. And uh, it's been done for uh, since uh, that was uh, last year. 
it's uh, so like uh, say about more than six months, and they've seen that the children's um, uh, ability to be more receptive to uh, uh, to schoolwork was ma- improved tremendously. They were awake. They didn't have problem with sleeping at school. They didn't have a problem with uh, um, uh, doing their work on time and having work done. So literally every night at a certain time, um, they said about eight o'clock. So from eight till half past nine. The, the lights go, I mean, the uh, electricity goes off for all type of uh, technology uh, and literally they conform to that. And now that, that goes with that question that, uh, yes, our, our technology, our children are using technology to benefit them in their studies and in their education, but it's making them lazy. Uh, the thing is, uh, in mathematics, uh, mathematics uh, 10 years, 20 years ago, you couldn't use a calculator. Today, they're using smartphones. Uh, looking at uh, uh, geometry and uh, the understanding of geometry and theorems, we had to memorize it. Now they use a smartphone. Subhanallah, what type of uh, intellect are we having? Uh, children becoming dependent on uh, technology. No, we mustn't have that dependence. And that is what we need to teach our children to become not slaves, to technology, but be the masters of technology, Uncle Shafan. Absolutely, Yusuf. And as you said, uh, you know, the mind is being addicted, has become an addict to the, you know what, most of our alims tell us, the hell phone. Yeah. And this is what they're doing. They're using it all, whatever they do, it does its thinking, uh, it does, uh, it's whispering, it's like the waspisu, you must do this, you must do that. It tells you, uh, you have to be up to speed with this and that. But remember, Yusuf, uh, time has just uh, passed us by. Perhaps uh, your parting words uh, this afternoon. May Allah make it easy. May Allah grant us uh, goodness, health, and iman, and taqwa, and everything that is beautiful. And let us not forget to keep in our du'as our brothers and sisters in Palestine. We have seen this week what happened at at Masjid al-Aqsa. Subhanallah, our hearts is bleeding. Our hearts is crying for Aqsa. So may Allah accept our du'as so that we can be of those who will be protecting the sanctity of our haramain. May Allah make it easy for our Palestinian brothers and also for the Ummah at large, inshallah, I mean, for wherever they might be, whichever country they are, wherever they are suffering, may Allah grant them ease, inshallah, I mean. From me, Yusuf Mali from Cape Town, shukran jazeelan for the opportunity to be with you, Uncle Shafat. Have an awesome weekend and enjoy your afternoon further, inshallah, I mean. Until we chat again soon, ma'as-salama, ilal-iqa. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh to our Yusuf Mali for sterling uh, Mashallah, answering to all the questions. And Jazakallah khair to you for sending in those questions. Well, it's time for us to go for the Zohar Azan. And after that, a beautiful programming on Marqa Sahaba, the voice of the Ahl Sunnah, Wal Jama'ah.